can't stop. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop. You're listening to the Sports Aid Vault podcast with me, Tom Gale. Now, regular listeners will know this is our second series of the Sports Aid Vault, and it's brought to you in association with Commonwealth Games England and the Team England Futures Programme. Each episode will see us providing you with a unique insight ahead of the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games alongside special guests as Team England gets set to shine on home soil. We'll be offering a behind-the-scenes look at what a multi-sport games entails and take a deep dive into how athletes and their support staff can best prepare to deliver medal-winning performances as well as making the most of the opportunities that they'll be presented with. This episode, we're joined by Mark England, OBE, and Darren Chappell. Mark is one of Britain's most experienced sports administrators. He's been involved in high-performance sport for close to four decades and will lead Team England as chef de mission at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. He's Director of Sports Services at the British Olympic Association and was recently appointed as Team GB chef de mission for the Paris 2024 Olympic Games It'll be his third consecutive games after taking charge at the last two summer editions in Rio and Tokyo, where Team GB secured 67 and 64 medals, respectively. Mark's first major event as Team GB chef de mission came at the inaugural European Games in Baku in 2015 and has previously been deputy chef de mission at six Olympic Games, including London 2012, as well as chef de mission at multiple youth Olympic festivals throughout the years. He joined the BOA back in 2001 and his responsibility for sports services encompasses games, sport, athletes and performance teams. Prior to this, Mark held senior positions with Sport England and the City of Glasgow. He was also race director at the Great Scottish Run for four years. In 2016, he was awarded an OBE for services to Olympic sport and additional responsibilities have included being an expert advisor on the Coordination Commission for Tokyo 2020, which was an appointment by the International Olympic Committee, chair of British Judo's Performance Management Group, plus many other roles. Darren Chappell is a boxing stalwart who's dedicated himself to the sport as a competitor, coach and official since 1976. He'll be Team England's boxing team leader at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games and is also head of performance and talent for England boxing. He'll be looking to repeat his previous success as boxing team leader when he guided Team England to a record nine medals in the sport, including six golds on the Gold Coast in 2018. In his role as Director of England Boxing, Darren brings extensive experience as a team manager and has overseen the delivery of performance pathways, also chairing the England Boxing Team Managers Panel, as well as being a member of the Great Britain Talent Commission. All of his work within the sport is completely voluntary. Darren recently retired from 34 years of service in the Royal Air Force, having started out as an aerial erector aged 18. During his service, he became a coach, judge, referee and manager of the RAF and combined service boxing squad. We'll be talking to Mark and Darren about final preparations for the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games and also creating the right environment at the Athlete Village. We'll also discuss the atmosphere generated at our home games and how athletes maintain focus, striking that difficult balance between competition mode and enjoying the experience. Okay, right, here we go. Welcome, Mark and Darren. 
Mark, I'm going to start with your good self and purely from a self-indulgent point of view, a sports fan who loves sport and I've got a good understanding of the administration through my journalism and whatnot. How do we say your title? Because every time I want to say it, I get a little French twang and I'm sort of saying, is it chef de mission? Is it chief de mission? Is it half and half? So literally from the horse's mouth, do you mind confirming how we address you? Do you, do you know, I have more questions around <laughs> chef de mission, chef de mission. You kind of go into Eurospeak. It's, it's part of the Olympic world, actually, not necessarily the Commonwealth world, which is... Uh, the language is English and French, so so technically it's chef de mission, which just means head of delegation. But people like to ask me whether I'm making Darren's breakfast in the morning or, or whatever <laughs> it happens to be, or what you know, what I'm cooking up on a daily basis. But no, you know, and it's a really privileged post to have. I'm I'm delighted to, um, you know, be sitting here and very very proud to be leading Team England. And just a, another one on that aside, have you ever checked in somewhere and obviously they've seen your title down on a piece of paper and they're trying to escort you to the restaurant, you know, as you go to you back there? Has that, that ever happened? Well, I often get introduced as, because um, it gets shortened to the chef, so I can introduce you, this is Mark the chef, and people look at me as if, you know, you know I'm the nutritionist for the team, so no, it's, all, uh, it's all good banter. Right, so here's your opportunity then to sort of, reaffirm us all so can you if you can i'm sure it can potentially go be quite exhaustive but explain your role because obviously for this one it's birmingham 22 you're obviously the overall lead for that but your previous obviously rio tokyo that was from the olympic spear but if you can capsulize what your role is for whichever said major championships yeah in many respects it's a it's a difficult question to answer Tom because the, it's so broad and wide-ranging um, and, and typically you are um, invited to, to become the chef de mission um, two to three years out from the games and, and, and I guess in this particular context the Birmingham context um, it's my responsibility to set the leadership structure out and, and, and to um, Make sure that we have inspiring leaders to support the um, the team leaders. So you know, in 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 this particular case, Darren is the the team leader for boxing, um, and an opportunity for for Darren and I to work together to to make sure that the boxers' needs are, are fully catered for, and and that that's the wide ranging bit really because it it's um, it's creating the right environment it's creating the right culture it's creating the right preparation pre-games preparation um, we're, we're kind of in that phase now where we're taking ownership if you like of the team and so Darren is up the road at um, what we're calling our immersion camp that's our preparation camp so the boxers are going through there they're down where I am currently sitting this afternoon as part of their kitting out experience. And, and the kit is an important element because it unifies the team. So the role is, is very much around creating the right environment, creating the right culture, embedding the right behaviours and values into the team. Uh, and it's about hopefully um, leading and inspiring. And, and the leadership piece is, is really interesting and, and takes different twists and turns. And, and the culture is a, a really interesting piece because in this particular context, we have 432 athletes, 250-odd support staff, and we're trying to, to build one team out of that. And in the Olympic environment, it's exactly the same, 19 sports or 23 sports in the Olympics. 
uh, varying abilities, ranges, age ranges, diversity, academic um, backgrounds, and you're creating this one team, which I personally believe is a huge, huge performance advantage. And, and if you get the culture right, you know, I, I always say this, the medal table will look after itself and, and, and history would, um, you know, would, would back that up. I'm also the spokesperson for the team, <laughs> which is uh, partly why I'm on the podcast. Um, you know, and that brings its own pressures, it brings its own demands, it brings its own um, interests around the opportunity to have a platform for Team England, you know. So, you know, it's a, it's a real pr privilege and pleasure to be on this particular podcast because it allows me the opportunity to reinforce some key messages um, you know, important messages around the culture of the team, around what we're trying to achieve in Birmingham, you know, and, and, and so it's a, that's a great privilege as well. Darren, for yourself, whose sole focus, understandably, is boxing, how soon does Mark come on your radar? Because we, as we know, we're British sport, attention to detail, meticulous planning. Mark's obviously been on this remit, whether it's Olympic or Commonwealth Games, for a long time. I suppose for yourself... The closer you get to a games, maybe does does Mark become a bit more important when you know your team and you know, or or again, are you equally on the same page a few years in advance, sort of getting that conversation and and stressing the importance of what boxers need for the Commonwealth Games or for an Olympic Games? Yeah, similar to Mark, you know, we, we I was fortunate in boxing that I was labelled as the team leader for these games three years out, and that gave me a great insight really to start the planning early in you know in in an area around where we've all had to endure sort of covid restrictions quite tightly and and it's it, i think what it's given me is a bit more of an open opportunity to sort of plan differently um but also more importantly to keep it the same as i always say is that what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis we need to sort of mirror image what we need to do in the games environment albeit it's a different environment effectively because we're coming from a single source games into a multi-sport avenue um so for me mark comes on the radio from an early stage really when we start our planning is to make sure that that vision the vision of the commonwealth of where we are how it how we are as a federation how we are equally going into um you know the importance of a Commonwealth Games in the Queen's Platinum as well. And we, I talk about that because it's proud, as a, as a team leader, I'm equally proud to be not just in the Commonwealth, but representing Our, our Majesty the Queen in her Commonwealth in her Platinum year. And I think there's a, a message there that, you know, we, we, we plan all this uniquely years in advance and a lot of things come on the radar that we're not aware of sometimes. And this around the, the, the timing of the Commonwealth is a good message that's come out, that time frame of June at the Platinum, and now we are coming into the Commonwealth, we've all been talking about it, and here we are in July, and it's equally important that that planning um, that we've all had to endure is starting to see the dividends that come the other side, and hopefully then as we drive into the Games, um, we can see the vision better, a little bit more open. Um, we talk about it, we understand it, it's now a case of making sure that we keep everything the same, on the same pedestal for the athlete, the boxer in particular, so they see that vision as well. Um, at the minute, they just see it from a perspective of perhaps where they are in Sheffield on a day-to-day -day basis. Now the messaging is starting to come out, the fact that today in particular, they're now going to come from a GB environment, effectively, 
into the Commonwealth. And that message, when we get them kitted out, is vital. So that message to us, effectively, when we talk about discipline, it's not just about discipline about being good or bad. It's about the discipline of what the important message is for that kit. We wear the Team England logo, and we feel proud to wear that logo. And we take that logo into the games. And we, we stand proud amongst all of our nations. And, and at the end of the day, we're hopeful that, you know, we can stand even prouder with more medals than the other nations because that messaging and that work we've put in the background has enabled us to take us on that journey all the way through. It's a really interesting point you raised there, because I think a lot of us, we assume, you know, athlete, athletes, sorry, they'll have their training cycle, you know, periodization. that's all key. But obviously you've outlined there, Darren, as regards to that specific game mode, isn't it? Because they've been training for the Commonwealth Games. They know it's that, you know, that long ambition. But as you say, a key part of it is when we get to, as we are recording at the moment, just a few days away, to just really hone in on why this game is so important and equally so the, the values that Team England are looking to represent. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's difficult as well because like quite a few other sports, we've our other competitions like the Europeans and the Worlds, etc., leading into these games have all been late due to COVID. So, you know, we've just come off the European Games and we only made our announcement for the Commonwealth Games less than two weeks ago. So the team have had a late mileage sort of encounter in terms of saying, you know, this is where we are going into the Games. This is who's been selected. And, and amongst that, we've other avenues and checks and all the rest of it. But now that messaging's right because we're bringing them into the immersion camp here at Loughborough. We can now get that messaging right so they understand the bigger picture. It's all about now the Commonwealth. And... The, the team are quite close anyway this time around. It's a real nice knit community that we have. And I think that helps as well as where we can actually get the messaging across and understand their journey a little bit more as well. We're trying to take them on a journey, but I think it's important to look back all the time. And that's one of my roles as a team leader is to continually look back on their journey to make sure that their experience coming into these games and through the games and post is probably one of the best experiences they're going to endure at this time and it's more important for us to keep that ball rolling effectively than when they go on to other avenues and other events as well as. Mark, it's like we've got your star pupil here as he has to waxing lyrical about, you know, the benefit of this structure but it is, obviously, it's, as Darren's beautifully articulated there, very important that you're getting that message across to Darren which he's filtering down to his athletes. Is it always that simple? Because I'm sure boxing has their difficult conversations with you about what they want. You're obviously juggling all these multi-sports. How hard is it to keep everyone happy from, from your perspective? It's it's probably uh, easier than you think, actually. And uh, But Darren was making a couple of um, really good points there that I just want to pick up on. So, sure, yeah. so you know, we're, at, we're both at Loughborough University. We're just different parts of the campus at the moment. He's at the preparation camp. And this is the first time that those boxers enter what I would um, call our environment. So this is the first time those boxers enter Team England's environment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so this afternoon when they come to get their kit, um, there are other athletes here. So we're, we're, we're beginning to build that um build that team from an individual boxer to the boxing team that was selected to a, a much wider, broader team. And it's this is the first time that they're stepping into, as I said, our environment. And so for me, I want everything here to be immaculate. I want it to be a step up from everything that they've experienced before in the way that Darren's saying that this is going to be the experience at this stage of their career, that the experience of their lifetime. And they are exposed both um, 
overtly and subliminally to some key messages around our values, around the fact that actually you're part of a rich history now that goes back to 1930 and, and that's when the first Commonwealth Games um, were held. And, you know, some absolutely fantastic uh, boxers have been part of that rich history. Chris Finnegan, Alan Minter, you know, and then more recently, um, you know, the, the fantastic boxers that we've had um, over the last couple of cycles who've gone on to win um, not just um, Commonwealth titles, but, but Olympic titles and professionally world titles. So they're part of this big journey now that, um, you know, that, that will open up to them after um, 20 22 Commonwealths and and hopefully go on to 2024 um, Olympic Games and, and and then you know if things turn out well for them they they'll, they'll go professional but you know this um, so the, I can't overstate the importance of them coming into our environment so when Darren said two weeks ago we did the selection well I was up at Sheffield with Darren um, doing that selection and I, I spoke to the boxers for the first time about that rich history about that rich culture about the um, importance of repre representing the nation so we're beginning to you know but that was me stepping into their environment that was me stepping into their um, boxing training hall but I'm beginning to send those messages. They'll get reinforced today and then they'll be reinforced when they come into the village again. So, you know, you asked the question about um, is it easy? It, it is easier than you think because we are we are just giving these, these key messages. Um, and I would say that, that a significant proportion of the team uh, will absorb those messages they'll take those messages on board and when I think about um, Fraser Clark uh, who won a, a bronze medal at the last Olympics and I think won a gold medal at the last Commonwealth Games down on the Gold Coast yeah you know he is such a wonderful advocate now about multi-sport games and the environment that's created and and everything that helps him help him on his Commonwealth Games and Olympic journey you know it's, it's so <coughs> Um, you know, and, and there's a kind of small proportion that, you know, are just doing it kind of for themselves, you know, there's just, you know, very small, and you can't waste energy on those people, you you waste energy, and you absorb energy on those people who have a thirst to, to um, you know, want to be part of this environment, and, and, you know, want to go on to do, you know, great things, and I'm not saying that the small minority who don't want to be part of it don't go on to do great things, but, you know, you need to spend time with those individuals that you can see a spark in their eye. There's a, a boxer that when I was talking up there, Darren, um, it's one of your, I won't name her, but it's one of your, your female boxers. And she listened to everything that was said. You know, you could see that she was alive and excited and, you know, the thirst to get, you know, not just get into the ring, but the thirst to get into the environment was, you know, really there. It was just, just brilliant, you know, and you, you hone in on those individuals and, um, you know, you can really help to shape their career. Darren, elite sports about these one percenters and obviously what Mark's talked about there. I'm not sure if it was previous cases, Mark, in terms of for Tokyo with COVID restrictions, but having someone like Mark come in in person and just reiterate, you know, that Commonwealth message. How much of a game changer is that in terms of giving athletes that extra boost? Because I'm sure they can be robotic in terms of major champs to major champs. But again, just that stopgap to just actually just reiterate 
why this specific occasion when you're putting on Team England, it's different to Great Britain or wherever it is that sort of nationality you are competing for and just really honing in on why this major championships is really important? I think from a boxing perspective, um, and I'm not really knocking um, our governing body at, at international level, but you know the Commonwealth for years is it's been difficult to recognise in the boxing sphere because it's completely different to the Euros, the Worlds and the Olympics. And what we've seen from, and in particular from the Gold Coast, we've seen a massive shift change effectively. Um, that has been really important. We started to list the Commonwealth as equal in terms of the importance that it has in those games environments. And I think they've seen from the likes of the last two Commonwealths when we came out, you, know, you go Glasgow, you go Gold Coast, and you then go into where we are in Birmingham. The, the amount of detail that goes into that brings importance. And that importance then is also given to us by the likes of Mark and his role as chef. You know, he comes to every single sport and with those announcements, he puts himself in front of people and in, in, in putting people in front of our boxes an important message because all they see on a day-to-day -day basis is that sort of same avenue at Sheffield, effectively. Um, it's the same people. Um, we've got Rob as the performance um, specialist, effectively, and you've got all the other excellent coaches. And I say excellent because I, I, I just label them as my best coaches in the world because, in my eyes, they simply are. Not just what they do in the corner, but there's also the outer peripherals that they deliver in terms of they become you know, our athletes' parents, effectively, on a full-time basis. And they see them in that sort of environment and, and that need. So when we get the likes of Mark and other people that come into the arena, it's vitally important that that message is given across. And they sit up and listen and they understand. And they, they know now all of a sudden it's not just about a single source games. It's a multi-sport games are going to be seeing other sports. And it's going to be one of the biggest, probably the largest TV broadcasted event to date. And I think when you're talking about one and a half billion people that are going to be watching them on a TV screen, that's the message that's come on across. It's all about them going forward there on in. And so when Mark starts that process for us, it gives us that line of where we are. And it shows effectively not just the boxers as athletes, but also the coaching staff and support staff who are equally important in that background piece for that deliverable to make sure that they understand it as well. So moving forward, we're all doing the same focus piece. The only one running around like an Edda's chicken effectively should be me in those games environment um, because I should be taking the pressure away from them. And, and, and my thesis is that you know, we do all our deliverables now in Sheffield in terms of prepping the athlete, and that's done to perfection. Um, when we then go into the games, effectively, the same messaging, same tones is given from the likes of Mark and his team that are sat under him and all the rest of it, where the same noise and same volume is coming through to say, this is what we want you to do, blah, 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 blah. But more importantly, then, I can focus on those other people, which is the coaching staff and, and equally the support staff, because my job is to give them their 100%, because if they're able to deliver 100% as well, the only benefit to that, from my perspective, is that it goes to the athlete 100% as well. So that, that turning point for me is it makes that meddling a little bit easier for them as well. We're, taking, we're, we're soaking up their pressure. We're soaking up their, their grief daily. That's what we should be doing. And for me, it's literally, I say the headless chicken because it's important for me to do that. It's important for me to act on behalf of my coaching staff and my support staff by giving them, even if it's just 10 minutes extra bed sleep, 
that's vitally important because it's make sure that they can provide that 100% to the athlete that inherently turns to the fortune side for a medal. Yeah, no doubt, Darren, and you're carrying out an invaluable role. So, Darren, another intriguing aspect about Birmingham is the Team England futures. So not only will we have potential athlete stars of the future getting an insight to the games, but also those aspiring to support roles as well. So they get a real taste of what it's like to be at a multi-sport championships. How invaluable do you think that would be for athletes themselves, but also people who look at yourself and think, I could be a team leader one day? I think it's paramount. Moving forward, um, you want you want to aspire young generations of kids to come forward into this sport, but you know not all of them are going to make it as top athletes, as I've alluded to before. And I think it's important to sort of grasp them, not just as athletes, but support environs and and to understand what it brings, the importance that it brings. But you know, I revert back to like Australia, where the amount of people that are involved providing support roles that were retired. And it surprised me with the fact that they just absolutely loved the 15 days that they had and and, and the build-up as well that went with it, to the fact that they felt they were able to give something back just to doing the games alone. And it was just really inspiring to be able to have time with those people. Every time we come into the arena, we had to have something different on the doors and all the rest of it. And it's nice to be able to have that conversation with them as well as to understand their journey and understand how that journey's changed over life through retirement and now they've come into the sport separately and I think it's equally important from the younger generation as well that we grab them while we can to show them what a multi-sport games like the, the Commonwealth give but more importantly we, the message really would be that everybody might have something that is useful to the future of aspiring athletes and more importantly people like myself who is just a normal businessman in life. I mean, that's what I do. I, I run my own business. I haven't left the military for 34 years. I'm just a volunteer. I don't get paid for any of this. I just do it for the love of the sport. And I think if we were able to capture those people, um, we, we would learn from each other as well because we've got really talented business people out there that we could tap into. We've got really talented young kids that have come from university that we can tap into that would give us different train sets in terms of providing... Um, different output, deliverable outputs in the games as well. So it's not just about the athlete. The bigger picture for me is those background people that do so much more that we never normally hear or see about. So to bring them into the environment, to show what goes on, to tell them and explain to them, is there anything there that you feel that you can deliver against? And hopefully it aspires them into that piece of work and to be able to stay with it. We've got you know, you've got the opportunity where we got here now in the immersion camp, there's a younger generation core of, you know, what I call 18 to 24 year olds who will hopefully stay with this for the next games and the games afterwards. And their invaluable experience that they're going to get from these games, walking through, walking the same lines that the athletes are taking, walking the same routes that they're going to get for the kitting out, walking the same, very same pathway when they go into the opening ceremony. That is a story and a, and, a, and a mapping that perhaps we need to look at because there's very few people that get an opportunity. So once they're in, we should be spending time and you know and that precious time delivering against that is equally what we do against the athletes because they are the backbone to the future. And I don't mean that horribly to the athletes. The athletes will do what they got to do and move on to other things. But that next generation that. It's like, a, it's like a, a conveyor belt. We need to keep that conveyor belt going. And that conveyor belt is the same with our support staff for the future. 
we need to keep it just ticking on all the time and keep reverting back to it and topping it up and moving forward. But they provide so much that's hidden at the minute. And by enabling them to have an open door scenario where we can feed into them, give them real life experiences of how it is in an open environment like you know, the next 12 days, people will never come across this. But to be able to have that opportunity is something that is just vital for the future for me. Mark, another tricky one for you. How do you define success? Because as you know, journalists like myself, from a national perspective, we're going to be looking at the medal count, aren't we? But I think already in this podcast, we've shown the various ways that you can see success on a daily basis, whether it's having conversations with Darren, it's meeting the athletes. But how would you see success in your role at Birmingham? Yeah, I, I, I was in. Um, I was actually in, in Birmingham last night um, at the university, and I, I talked to. Um, I guess there's about a hundred of our support staff there who, who you know, now today they they're going into the the various villages and they're going to start bumping in and 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 get it, getting everything you know ready for um, for the athletes arrival at the weekend and i talked about this and i talked and i will talk to to team england's board uh, commonwealth games england's board about it tomorrow um, because because in, in in one respect it's it's the performance outcome isn't it and it's the medal return and and you know i think that that we can all confidently sit here and and say that that england will be Team England will be in in the top two um, in the medal table. Is that successful? I think there's a you know a huge um, aspiration to top the medal table, but you know I think we have to be realistic that um, as um, as the home countries get carved up, um, you know, pitting our skills and our wits against. Um, you know, against Australia in particular, you you know the world the world swimming championships has shown that not just Australia have got a, an outstanding swim team that will will pop them at the, to the top of the medal table early doors, but Canada have too actually they're, they're doing some great work in Canada, um, but I fully expect um, I fully expect Team England to uh, to be there or thereabouts at, at, at the end. Um, is that is that the only measure of success? No, and 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 part of it is about what the athletes say when they're interviewed, you know, when people like yourself, Tom, interview them, what what are they saying about um, the team? What are they saying about Birmingham? What are they saying about uh, the competition? And um, in many respects, that that drives to the culture of the team, that drives to um, how we support each other. And so, you know, for me, measuring success would be how are, how are we as a home nation, um, how are we hosting, how are we supporting? Can you just imagine, I, I spoke to the team last night, can you, can you imagine if you're coming here to Birmingham for the first time and you go through the Welcome Centre at the NEC and then you're carded off to Warwick University, Birmingham University, the NEC itself, or even down to London? You know, can you imagine if you're arriving in the UK for the first time because you haven't been able to come over because of the travel restrictions due to COVID and the pandemic over the last couple of years? How difficult that must be. Can you imagine, Darren, if we just arrived in Australia and you had to go to three or four places and we'd never been there before, you know, it would. So I want the team to be very, very good hosts. You know, I want every single member of the team to remember 
to be good hosts, to support their opposite number, you know, to, you know, for you, Darren, to support your boxing opposite numbers, you know, you, you know, Mauritius, for example, would be, you know, a strong boxing nation. Um, you know, you know, they'll never have travelled here before. So, you know, we've got to support these these people to make it a successful um, a successful event. I think for 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 us to support Birmingham as a city, to you know, to put Birmingham on the global stage is important for me. I think for us to support the organising committee and and be um, you know good good hosts to the organising committee who who are the ultimate hosts. Um, and and to you know create a very strong and, and be part of supporting a very strong Commonwealth Games federation and future in the way that Darren spoke about earlier. All those things are important to me, and you know all those things for me are measures of success. But I don't think there's any any way we can get away from, nor should we get away from the performance outcome. And and my aspiration and my hope is that is that. Team England do exceptionally well. Same question for you then, Darren. Is it is it all about what that medal tally for for Team England boxing is at the end, or as we've alluded to, you know, culture taking away, making a more holistic, better person off the back of this experience as well? I'm sure they're all better key markers for yourself. I think it's a bit of both, really. I mean, we want our boxers to achieve um, ultimately a medal opportunity for themselves. Um, we wouldn't be here, house, if why we lie about it. You know, we want them to we want them to medal. Um, and we all talk about, you know, we get the funding, we want the medals in return, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what's important for me is that boxing's a tough sport anyway. And, and to get between those ropes is even more challenging. And I just want every boxer to come to these games fully prepared um, with a support team behind them that can provide for them as well. We know that, you know, Team England are going to provide every avenue and corridor they're going to open those doors enormously to provide you know the footings that we need to try and get those boxes to achieve to the best of their ability and for me it's making sure that, that as a team leader and then with a core of boxes behind us we get the athlete to perform at the games and and in doing so if they've given their 100 percent then nobody should be challenging what they've achieved whatsoever um, you know, we talk about the draw and the draw for us um, is equally important. You can have a really challenging draw. Um, you go back to Rio Olympic as an example with Pat McCormack, he drew the world number one. It's just like, you know, these things happen in sport and you just have to deal with it. And it was the bout of the entire games, in my opinion. But, you know, we just want to make sure that we focus on that draw. We know where we're going to be from the outset and, and just to keep the athlete sort of focused all the way through. Um, which is challenging because some of them could be fighting five or six times. And that's equally important to understand as well. It's not just a case of turning up and competing. In between all that, they've got you know, the nutrition requirements to make weight. And, and, and that adds boundaries of pressure and mental health issues as well as. So there's a lot for the boxers to take on board. Um, they've got a fantastic support team, both within... England boxing in, in particular, the support that they give along with GB boxing, but also here at Team England, they provided everything. And we've got that team working closely together. And, and in doing so, the messaging's there that they don't need anything. It's all here. It's making sure now that we have all the cogs together, that we can provide all the details that work their cogs for their competition, for their their piece of history, effectively, that they're going to deliver to these games. They're going to come into these games in a multi-sport environment, and it's up to them, really, to 
turn it on from day one. And we start that process today with kitting out, and that's why it's important, the messaging, that they understand that it's outside of what the normal realms of a sport of boxing would show. They just turn up with a bag and kit and away they go, where it's different here. We are giving them a message, and that message is you are representing your entire nation for Team England at the Commonwealth Games, and it's one of the biggest events worldwide. Um, so for me, yeah, medals are great. I'd love to, to be able to do what we did in Australia with breaking the record. Um, we've talked about it. Um, I, in particular, know that you know we've got a good team that are really, really close, and I don't want to put pressure on them the fact that I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying that they should be doing A, B, C and D. It's not about that. I just want them to perform. And in doing so, as that momentum builds from day one, it's keeping that momentum building and keeping that focus online. And if we're able to do that and keep that team working together strongly, I hope that we can produce some records for the boxers that will actually build their train set for the future as well as, because there's nothing better coming back like they did in the Gold Coast, you know, I remember standing there on the last day and then Pat won the gold and it's like, you've done all your media bits and it's 10 minutes later, you have that light bulb moment and you think, we've just made history. And it's just like, the place is shutting down and it's like, and they're being ushered out the door because they want to close the doors. But we just made history. And the next thing is we are packing our bags to get on a plane to go home. And it's like, for me, Birmingham will give a different message because it's our home games. And I think if we're able to do something different in Birmingham for those home games, um, irrespective of the medals, I just want a chunk that they can say, you know what, we delivered this in Birmingham and we've put Birmingham, not just for boxing, but all sports on the map. And we've given that, like Mark alluded to, that global bit that Birmingham really deserves effectively for what they are pushing out through the, you know, the OC and everybody else. They've done a colossal amount of work. And I think it's important that that messaging as well is, is always said. And I think most importantly for me is we can talk about our sponsors, Sport England. You know, they've allowed us the opportunity as well for the boxers to be able to do different things in the sport as well. And I think that's just a great messaging point that helps them to understand why they're here. It gives them the importance of why the Commonwealth is such a big event. But more importantly, it helps them to understand that part of that team, we can deliver something special. And if that's five medals, ten medals, great. But ideally a team that has got close cohesion that they have, they could deliver something special, but I don't want to put pressure on them. You, you, told, you told me it was much bigger than that, that medal return, Dara. <laughs> he's edging his bets, he's edging his bets. <laughs> I think well, I, th I think what Darren's saying is really interesting, and it, it's great being on with Darren, because, you know, we're going to have... Dina Asher-Smith come over from the World Championships and, and, and compete. So, you know, it's, a, it's another competition and she'll get another chance to go to another World Championship and another Olympic Games and another Commonwealth Games. And so the, the journey goes on for many, many of the two, uh, 430 odd athletes that, that we're taking. The boxing team is different. They're on a, they're on a short five or six year senior competition journey and that's it. And so what Darren's talking about is super, super important. It's about, it's about nurturing this group and who go on and, and learn from this experience and then go to the European Games and Championships next year and then go to uh, the World Championships and qualify for an Olympic Games through another series of 
of, of, of fights and then go to, to an Olympic Games. And then for most of them, they'll kind of move off. You know, you know, Darren and Rob McCracken, they'd be delighted if they could keep this, this cohort together for another cycle. Um, and we'll see, see, see what happens. But predominantly, it's a, it's a short amateur career for them at, at this particular level. So the care and attention around this group is extraordinary, you know, to make sure that they can move to the next stage, whatever that happens to be for their weight category and, 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 and competition. And it's not quite the same for, for many of the others who, you know, who have two or three bites at this, who'll have two or three bites at the Olympic Games, who have two or three bites at the World Championship and becoming world champion. So, um, you know, it's... it's you know that that area, you know, shouldn't be underestimated with this group. You know, it's it's uh, you know, and, and actually, Darren mentioned the coaches, and I've been on a journey with those coaches at um, at boxing for you know many a year, and 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 for them to bring this caliber of athlete through, uh, you know, year after year after year is extraordinary. And Mark, I guess it's really important for you to demonstrate to all sports. That you get it, don't you? This is a Commonwealth Games and there's certain stick-ons that we know that come with the Commonwealth Games. But as you've rightfully pointed out, boxing to track and field to swimming to para sports now as well. Each individual sport will look at it in a slight nuanced way. And I guess when you're meeting with them face to face, you need to demonstrate that empathy of why this game is Birmingham. But also for that sport is, is the relative importance in their career journey as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good point, and absolutely we do. And, and some of those athletes that I've mentioned, you know, I've been away, you know, three, four, five times in, in environments like this. So, um, you know, they know how I work. You know, I enjoy the familiarity. I'm looking forward to seeing Darren and, and, the, and the team this afternoon here. You know, I, I enjoy the banter that, that, that we have. And, and what I'm trying to create is a, is a safe environment. It, it's an environment where... Every single athlete believes that they have a voice in the team. That's, that's, you know, when I talk about the culture of the team, that's part of it. And, and, and we capture that in, in, in a word, which is belonging. Every athlete feels that they belong in, in this particular team. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you know it's, um, it, it's 100% important in that, in that regard. But I think what I, th I think what will define this team is is the opportunity to inspire the nation. Last night I, I spoke about you know what a what a great summer um, what a great summer this is turning into for English sport. You know, four, I said 14 days ago, only Eddie Jones would have seen a series win in Australia. I mean, you know, nobody else saw that coming. Um, and, in, and in fact, you know, people were talking about him, uh, you know, you know, being replaced and, and all the rest of it. You know, so, so hats off to him. Nobody saw four back-to-back -back test match victories for the men's cricket team. That was extraordinary, you know, and breaking records on the way. Nobody saw the England women's team uh, on a 19-0 return after three matches and being in the quarterfinals of, of Euros and, and could, you know, go on quite comfortably to, um, you know, to, to, to make the final and make history, you know. And the women's team, you know, only last week with record-breaking, you know, victories against South Africa. So, you know, th this is turning into 
a, a memorable summer for English sport. And, and what I said last night was, in 12 days' time, the spotlight will, will be on you, the spotlight will be on all of your athletes. You know, and, and it is our time to, um, you know, to shine in the sun. It is absolutely our time. And the importance when you're talking about all the different all the different sports coming in and nuancing messages around them, absolutely. But the one defining piece for this team is that they have a great, great opportunity. You know, 10 years almost to the day, um, the London Olympics, you know, the last big multi-sport games in this country. So a decade later, an opportunity for these athletes to do it again. But what's quite interesting is, is in an environment where there is an absolute thirst for watching live sport and, and, and crowds and, you know, these guys have been competing in empty stadia. I mean, you know, Darren in Tokyo, you could have, you know, you could have heard a pin drop in the, in the, in the stadium in, in, um, in the boxing uh, uh, arena in, in Tokyo. There was, nobody was allowed in there. You know, it's one of the iconic stadiums in Tokyo. Nobody was allowed in there. The, the thirst for, for the British public and the English public uh, to, to support in the home games is, is just extraordinary. And so, um, you know, that will be the kind of defining, can, can we do it on the big stage? Can, you know, can we top the medal table? All that kind of stuff. And, you know, I certainly believe we can. So, Darren, if you can, take us inside the Team England boxing camp. At the time of recording, we're just days away from the Commonwealth Games. Uh, from an athlete's perspective, but you as a team leader. So I assume athletes have largely maybe tapering at the moment. There's no sort of major physical work to do now. What's their focus and in turn, how, how does that map out for you on a day-to-day basis as a team leader? We're quite fortunate, really. We, they're still in Sheffield, so it makes it, it does make it slightly easier that the focus remains the same. That, I mean, And there is no real big shift change. So, you know, we are tapering in. We are maintaining that speed and endurance and making sure that they remain sharp um, obviously, the, the fine-tuning everything in terms of weight management coming into the games on point. Um, so for them, it's keeping that progress moving forward um, without taking any big risks. You know, the sparring there will start cutting down. If anything, it's stopped. So it's a case of making sure that we're limiting the factors of risk in terms of damage and injury. Um, but no, you I mean they're, they're pretty much geared up, ready to go. I think it's just a case of now making sure that as we build, whereas before you're doing a single games, we go to like the European Championship, and I don't mean just the European Championship, but it's single sport focus, so it's quite easy to pick up a bag and go. Whereas here, it's a completely different train set, and I think that's the bit that we've got to get the messaging across this afternoon, or my role will be this afternoon, is like, you're coming into a multi-sport games. There's going to be a lot of change that you are not used to. It's a different nuance, and, and, and it's important that they understand that Go and speak to the swimmers. Go and speak to the, the, the wheelchair basketball people and all the rest of it and get some experience from them as well as. And for me, it will be trying to push them into those different areas so we have a nice cohort of team members, not just boxing. We talk about athletes in general coming sport to sport. And I think they're not used to that normally. Yes, they have in the EIS environment. They've got like basketball and things like that, but they've still got their own separate entities. This brings them together a lot, lot closer. And I think that's going to be important for them to understand from today here on in. And I think that's a big shift change that they're not used to. Um, luckily for us, you know, in the Gold Coast, we, we took them into Brisbane two and a half weeks early. They were, it was enforced upon them on a day-to-day basis. So whilst we've got the separation here, 
kit and out days are equally important because it brings the team together earlier. And it and that's not just for boxing. All sports are pretty similar, I expect. They're not used to other sports. So it's from a single sport entity. It's already starting now. And today, it's just a slight different messaging to our box to say, look, enjoy it. Embrace it. Take it on board. There's going to be a lot of difference that you're going to see. There's going to be a lot of noise as you come further into the games as well as with you know people wanting to know more. You're all going to be dragged here, there and everywhere for press conferences and all the rest of it. It's for our job really to try and control that as best we can so it doesn't disturb what they're doing. And I always refer back, keep it the same, because for us, our boxes need to keep it the same. We need our daily ritual effectively to to stay on point. But we're always focused, does that affect the performance training output? And that's the real question that we always send to Rob. It's the same focus question. Rob, does it affect performance? Yes or no? And it will be that decision whether or not we can do anything outside that train set, if that makes sense. So if we get an interview request from a boxer, that's fine. However, it will, it will not affect performance. And that's a vital message that we always give because the last thing we want to do is mess that cycle up. So it's keeping everything the same. And that's the easiest message. We've just got to try and keep it the same, but also open their eyes to a slight difference in terms of the fact that, you know, feel the love, as I say, go and speak to people and enjoy the comfort of other people, go and watch a movie with other people. That bringing together the sport will hopefully calm everybody's nerves down but also allow them to perform far better and home soil how how have how have boxing addressed that the fact that you've said trying to keep it the same but you know it's again it's you've talked about the audience rightfully so in terms of major but then not having the travel not having to have extensive flights no changes in time zone as well how have how team box team england boxing sorry addressed being on home soil for this major major championships i think we can only do that really is Similar to how the Australians did it, um, you know, that noise level. And I think we need to understand that, you know, we've got the loudest crowds, I say, in the world for boxing. Because our, our country just loves boxing. No matter who you speak to, if they get an opportunity to get a ticket to go watching the boxing, they will be there. And it's that noise level that worries me as one of the of a key distraction, effectively, for our boxers when they come out through the changing rooms effectively and they can hear the buzz of the crowd in the background and it's when they come through those doors of the lights razzmatazz and all the rest of it that goes with it that noise level is something that gives me a little bit of a worry of how we try to address that so if there's any opportunity for me to put noise levels with similar sort of vein of what they're likely to walk out to, that's important. I think we just need to look at that. And that's probably not just boxing, to be brutally honest, probably all the sports, because we are going to be focused on such a noise level, um, it could distract them from the outset. And for us, it's got to be walking through the curtains, hit the ring, focus on the ring, get in there and perform. But that crowd level could be a distraction. Um, So for me, it's just making sure that, you know, they are able to take it on board, keep everything the same and just perform as they normally would effectively. But equally, when, you know, when they're in competition, they know they're going to be on home ground because like Mark alluded to, Tokyo, there was nothing. You could hear the pin drop on the TV. It was that bad. Um, so, and it was just, you know, you have to feel for them in both environments because it's equally difficult to box in an empty stadium as it is for a full stadium. So it's just trying to get a little bit of normalisation. Um, but, you know, they've been there before in other events in the European Championships and the Worlds where the noise levels have been increased. Um, 
I know our crowd will support our boxers and they'll bring them home. And I think that's the key message for us is that, you know, when we need that support, the crowd will be there in Birmingham screaming um, as best they can to help our boxers get the win. And Mark, for you, the refreshment of being in charge, planning for a, a games which will have fans, which is obviously a, a, another caveat there that we've put out there. But with your experience as a whole, if I'm right, is it 10 Olympics? You always know that no games is the same, but what have you learned probably key from London 2012 about approaching a game on home soil in terms of how, I don't know, is it easier because you know the culture, but then equally so there's the challenges that you don't have when you aren't the other side of the world, I guess, in terms of distractions? Yeah, no, it's a good question, that, because um, there were, it sounds odd, but I think one of the things that I learned from uh, from the London cycle, for the, you know, the last home games, was was almost complacency. You know, if, if, if you know, a lot of a lot of the national governing body technical officials join the organising committee and become, you know, the competition manager or the venue manager, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of intelligence that goes directly to the sport, um, and you're kind of outside the loop. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, midway through the planning for the Paris cycle for for the next Olympic Games and. And, and we're kind of controlling that environment, and and we know the best environment for um, you, you know you know for preparing athletes, and you know for for that particular games, you know, which is we're kind of looking at it as a home games, but it's um, you know it's you know London to Paris is closer than London to Newcastle, so you know it is, but you know it, it is unique in, in its own way. So complacency, I think, uh, you know, there's a, some some lessons around that. Um, when I spoke to everybody last night, I said it was almost surreal, wasn't it? You kind of, you know, <laughs> you drive to Heathrow Airport and you get on a plane, you've gone. <laughs> Whereas, you know, kind of talking to the kids this morning on the way to school and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's still that opportunity, really, and the importance I impressed upon everybody this time of you've got to get your head in the game. You Let's get our head in the game. You know, it all starts today. That's 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 the real important bit for us that that everybody is absolutely on it, and those distractions, those kind of home distractions, the distractions around, you know, being able to you know fix the roof if something goes wrong. Whereas if you're in Australia and the roof goes wrong, then you know it just gets figured out. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you know, you can't allow those kind of distractions and getting your house in order, getting your family um, prepared for, for time away. It, it's those things, I think, that, that um, are kind of different with the home games than, than when you actually physically go, you know, 5,000 miles with an eight-hour eight time difference and time zone difference and the climate change, although it's pretty warm today and all that kind of stuff. But So, you know, but we're a very, very experienced team. You know, Darren's done this before. You know, the people who are in my leadership team have done it before. We've drafted in people who have led, uh, you know, Phil Smith, who led the Paralympic team in Beijing the, at the Olympic Winter Games. You know, he's on our team. So there's a, probably about four or five chef demissions within the team. And, you know, when I, when I talked earlier about when you asked about, you know, what's the role of, 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 of the chef demission? Well, you know, you've got to pick the right people, the people who are experienced, the people, you know, I have no experience of para sport. I've loved my interaction with the para athletes. 
um, both here at Kitting Out and at the team announcements. But Phil Smith has worked with these athletes for, you know, a number of, of cycles in the Olympic environment, in the Commonwealth environment and in the Olympic Winter Games. So, you know, and, and with the right coaches. So, you know, he's he's an expert in that area. So bringing Phil in, you know, allows me that comfort of knowing that, that um, you know, we're not going to drop any balls in, in that particular area. So, so you know, it... it it's it, it is different in um in a home games you know and you just have the experience from london just to cover off the different angles and you know we're, we're pretty well prepared and um you know I'd, I'd like to think we're the best prepared naturally because of covid and naturally because it's a home games with the best prepared nation that, that you'll see in the in the commonwealth games that's that's the aspiration as well and if we get into the day-to-day role darren when the commonwealth games get underway how, how how will you what will you be doing you previously mentioned running around like a headless chicken as regards obviously the coaches they'll be focused on the physical and aspects of the athletes the obviously athletes rightfully are thinking about the next bout you know the medals and so forth for you what's your day-to-day itinerary going to be if you could sort of give us a general perspective once the once the action once that first bell's rung i guess I think I'm slightly different to most because I like to get into the athlete's head to understand where they're sort of struggling effectively. And the only way I can do that in the boxing environment is to get out in the morning and do the work with them. So as an example for the previous games, we were, I was training with them because it was, the only, it was the only time really that you could really understand and hear and listen their gripes. And sometimes I felt that, you know, you're, I'm hearing messages that they wouldn't possibly go to perhaps the coaching staff. So for me, it was a great insight to be able to get firsthand from them as them you know, whinging, running around the sprint sessions um, and bits and pieces. That that information is just paramount. And it means that I can go back to the support staff and you know the physios, the psychs and the coaches and say, look, he's struggling with this, she's got this problem, blah, 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 blah. Is it anything that's new that you need to be aware of? So for me, from the early point of getting out of bed in the morning, it's great. Um, but it starts before that because we, we, we have to, and I say get out of bed, we have to drag them out of bed, some of them, because they've got early morning scales. And that's difficult because it's daily. Um, you know, and, and for a major competition like that, yeah, they have to scale on the morning that they compete. It makes their day very, very long. And, you know, I remember Fraser down under when he, when he had the box for the semi-final bout. Um, you know, he was on late in the evening, so it's a long day from six o'clock in the morning, and then all of a sudden he climbs on the rope about ten thirty at night, and you're thinking he's now having to turn it on to compete. He wants to be going to bed in reality. So for me, it's keeping him focused as well as so. And I like to also support my team and the support staff by doing things for them that, like I said, give them ten minutes because if it means that they can have a chill ten minute time to have a coffee, and I can do that headless chicken bit for them it means they're always on point to be able to pick up those things that you know might be missing from certain elements of the boxes. So the day then goes through into the competition phase. We have long cycles. So if it's 16 boats in an afternoon, it, it is a long afternoon. Um, and it's again, you have to come back to the other athletes that aren't competing. And in between that, you've got that changeover point where three or four might be coming in for the evening session, but the coaches are still there. It's the same coaching staff. So my job is to keep finding 10 minutes for those coaching staffs to have their downtime because it's a long day from eight o'clock from when they start, if they haven't done scales, to 10, 11 o'clock at night and then go again the next day. So it's a different focus. 
the athletes they focus on in terms of performance. My job is to focus on them to, to deliver against that focus um, and that performance. And it, and it seems to work for me over the years. Um, and I know, you know, we talked about it a great deal in terms of the coaches at Sheffield that are going to be with us. Um, it works. And if it means that it works for them going into these games and multi-sport games, then great. Why change things? Um, so they know what I'm going to do. They know I'm going to be the crazy one running around and doing things. But I'd rather have it that way, knowing that I can just provide that little small piece of that 1% that might just be the defining factor for when they get in the ring, they're able to deliver and get a performance out of it. And sometimes it's just, we are always looking at those fine lines of just finding those little tweaks that make it a little bit easier. And of course, we've also got to look at all the other nations. We have to take homage to our home nations that are going to be there, the likes of Ireland, Scotland and Wales, who are going to come to Birmingham to perform, of course. And equally, Australian and India in our sport, you know, they are strong, especially at the lighter weights. We have to respect what they're going to deliver. We have to know how they're performing as well. And that's pretty much what we do in the background as well. I'll be looking at the draw when it comes out from the day one to say, well, what's the impact and where are those tough days that we're going to have with certain athletes? And, you know, do we need to sort of change things around a bit to make sure that that focus stays on those particular people to make sure we get them through those tough times? So we know there's people on the outside as well that can support um, but it's making sure that that same focus remains day, day, day in, day out, effectively. And it's a long day for us, and it's a long tournament. We compete on day one, and we finish on the final day, and then we go into closing ceremony. So we're just hopeful that we go to closing ceremony with a awful lot of medal around the neck, and they've all had a, a real positive games. Well, it's just I'm just embodied a huge sense of pride and just the, the fact that I know someone like yourself is just so relentless and so passionate and giving it your all for someone else to achieve their goals. And just a quick one before I bring Mark in on the similar emphasis of what you're doing on a day-to-day. -day, does that passion come from, Darren? Obviously, you had your own career in, in boxing and those exploits now, and we're looking at young leaders of the future, those who are going to be carrying out support roles. Is The key for you is just doing all you can to help someone else thrive in that environment and, you know, sacrificing yourself i guess because hopefully you're gonna have a good holiday after after 10, 10 days of this of going out doing the early morning runs and worried about every single athlete but it, where does that come from obviously a proud professional man but is it is it just that wanting to see others achieve is it uh, yeah you I mean I'm, I'm from a slightly different background as well so you know i'm i'm one of the very very few that is a 100 percent volunteer effectively I do this as a non-paid role, and it's done because I just love my sport. Boxing gave to me, in, you know, in the, in the late nine, in 1979 when I started, um, it gave to me something that no other sport did, and it, it gave me my vision for the future in terms of provided for me. And, and in doing so, I've always wanted to give back, and it's why I'm so passionate about trying to keep people in the sport as well, because we're here for the elite athlete, and we're here to give them medals but not everybody's going to walk away with a medal. And what's equally important for me is to make sure that we keep them in the sport as well as. And that might not necessarily be in boxing. You know, we might find a great boxing advocate from a boxing ring who might be actually exceptional in a different sport, doing something different, but equally of importance. And I think if we're able to keep these athletes in our sport um, by keeping it fun, we keep it on point all the time, but they know what they're 
limitations are now, but we guide them to the future to be able to do something different. And I think it's one of the things that we've always had in our sport is that we try now to try and keep them. So if they're not going to stay in boxing, they don't become pro and all the rest of it, then you can't lose all that talent. There's an, an abundance of talents in the background. And it's my job, really, and people like me, to try and keep them in our sport or another sport to do something different, like coaching, management and things like that. So from our perspective, you know, I didn't have to be England head coach to become a team leader. It's important that you've got other corridors and other avenues and inlets to be able to do that thing. It's about leading. And, and I'm fortunate I've had, you know, 34 years in the military where I've been able to lead an awful lot differently and, and in different challenges, but they all have the same deliverable output. You're still trying to achieve one deliverable output, but you do that working together as a team and, and you draw upon other te people's experience as team people as well, from the lowest to the highest echelon. And, you, and, and all those people that you talk to and gain from is why it's important that you then go back to the lowest point and think, well, actually, will that person be good doing something different? Because if I can get three or four boxers from this cohort to come to the next games, if they haven't gone on to other things, that's important. We're here at the immersion camp now, and I'm hoping that certain people that are you know, training here at Loughborough could be available to the team today in the immersion camp. If they're free, that's, that's what's inspiring for me, is the fact that the likes of Fraser, Fraser Clark's a gold medalist in the Commonwealth Games. There's a message that we can get to him today, then that would be it. Fraser, turn up if you can. He's, you know, these little things are important. So they see that, well, he did it, and he did it this way. This is what's about, and this is how I can do it. And it's about me then trying to make that possible and make those connections for these athletes going forward. Um, and so it's not a case of me. It's not The importance is never about me and where I come from. It's about how I bring people together and how I lead those in a sport of boxing. And a, a quick conversation here, there and everything will help hopefully bring two things together that might end up as a positive somewhere along the line. And I think if we keep people in our sport for the future, um, it's important because it helps to produce a better generation and a better future for others that are following and trying to aspire into a sport. And I think, you know, I always say to every athlete, if you're able to, if you're able to mentor somebody for the future, you've done something half decent to ensure that you're providing for the future as a next generation core in your sport. And they might not go into that sport, they might do something else. You know, you might have talent spotters out They think, well, actually, the size of him, he might be better at basketball, put him into a programme that can do that. And those things are great where we can actually inherently join our sports together and work on other talent spotting avenues. And that's why it's important that we, we talk an awful lot more together. And the Commonwealth environment and the Team England has enabled us to do that because if I'm brutally honest, I've never done so much talking about other sports and understanding those sports that given me a few sort of questions. Think, well, actually, why don't we do like that? Why aren't we doing certain things that they are doing? Is it the fact that they've got different funding? No, it's not. So it's a case of the way that they manage those aspirations for their athletes. Sometimes it's good to understand how they've done it, how they've achieved it, and what the productivity is at the other end. Because if we can do that together... You know, the world's, your, the world's your oyster as such because it all ends up to better medal count, which is what we're here for. Mark, I think you wanted to comment on a few things that Darren had said there. 
Yeah, no, not well, only just to say it's exhausting listening to Darren, <laughs> isn't it? You know, he's going to be out training at six o'clock. You're going to spend, you're not going to be doing any of this, Darren. You're going to be spend, spending your days on the physio bed, getting, getting treated on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring you a box of sweets. It's fair to say you won't be donning the running shoes and getting out with the other team leaders then, Mark, if you're in Birmingham. <laughs> Well, let's have a think about that one, shall we? <laughs> uh, um, I mean, my days are pretty rigid, you know. I, I, you know, um, uh, so I was at, at the Edge Baston Park Hotel uh, yesterday overnight um, talking to, to what we call the team behind the team. That's all the support staff that are now beavering away across all of the, the villages, you know, getting it to games ready. Um, I'm presenting to the board so that we've got, um, in addition to the boxes, um, just let, let your boxes know, Darren, we've got the board coming in okay. this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Commonwealth Games England board are here um, uh, this afternoon and this evening. We'll have a final um, dinner and, um, you, you know, just, just put the final touches to the campaign. Tomorrow's our final board meeting, so I'll be presenting to the board about um, uh, our... Um, uh, important messages around the culture of the team, the diversity of the team, how inclusive the team is, the medal um, outcome expectations, performance expectations, that, that kind of stuff. And, and, and um, as I'm on loan to um, as I'm on loan to Commonwealth Games England, it's an opportunity to say goodbye to them as well. Uh, and then and then I'm back in um, back in Birmingham. But my day is pretty rigid, as I said. So, um, uh, like Darren, up at six, and, and and while he's doing healthy things, I'm I'm unhealthily, um, you know, pretty much tucked away. And I chair a meeting at six thirty every day. So, so that will set the tone for the day. You know, I want everybody. I, I often say, and 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 um, people smile if they're listening on the podcast because I said, if you don't know what's happening that day you will never ever catch up because the game's environment is so fast moving you know at any one moment you might have two athletes competing you might have a hundred athletes arriving you might have 50 athletes leaving the environment you know you have dreams shattered you have dreams being made you know it's um it, it's an emotional uh um roller coaster um on on a daily basis so i set the tone at 6 30 to seven o'clock um I'll, I'll chair a meeting then i have to go to what's called the chef de mission meeting so my equivalent numbers from across the um, globe who are arriving so there'll be 80 odd of us and and, and we'll have an opportunity to tweak the organizing committee's planning you know typically you know i can tell you today that food and transport will come up as uh, <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know and if this weather continued then hydration would come up as an issue but it'd be pretty cool i think by next week but you know those kind of things and and, and we work with the organizing committee to make sure that that on a daily basis any um you know kind of amber flags are getting ironed out um uh, unfortunately, unlike Darren, um, I don't get the opportunity, as you may think, to um, you know spend my days watching sport because the important thing for me, you know, when you go back to your first question about touch points and how we how we look at um, you know and how we talk to athletes, we will have athletes arriving on a daily basis across three or four different villages, and um, I take the opportunity very very seriously to welcome each of those sports into the environment so when Darren's boxers come in so I went to 
Uh, I went to Sheffield to do the team selection, talk to them then. They'll be in here this afternoon, an opportunity for a bit of kind of banter with them, um, uh, hopefully. Um, and then when they arrive in the village, I'll have what's called a team welcome with the boxing team, with the boxing coaches, just to just to kind of finalise and, and nuance some key messages for them about what's expected. Um, but those arrivals um, are happening on a daily basis. So um, I prioritise that over the opportunity to, um, you know, just to spend my time watching sport. Um, and obviously, as the, the, the daily arrivals, um, you know, diminished, you know, after a week or so when everybody's in the environment, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to people who have finished competing and they're going off to the next um, uh, competition or they're just leaving the environment. Um, and an opportunity to talk to to individual and and, and collective uh, sports in, in in that way, and then hopefully we'll get the chance to um, to see some some um, you know some top top class um, athletes in, in in competition. And I use the word athletes broadly. You know, uh, um, you know, I'm 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 desperate to see as many of the sports in competition as I can. Um, and we've got some fantastic days, you know, the kind of Super Sunday team sports day that, you know, that will, will involve hopefully netball, cricket <coughs> and so on. You know, an opportunity to go and see the Rugby Sevens teams down at, um, down at Coventry, you know. But, but if I get the chance, I will. Um, but I pr prioritise welcoming everybody and just making sure that I'm com comfortable and confident that they all feel that they belong in the team. Mark sort of answered the final question there without knowing. So, Darren, if once you've dusted your running trainers off, every fighter has done their last bout and the medals have been hung, if you could go outside your boxing sphere, where in Birmingham 2022, what would you want to go and see? What's a big draw for you outside of the boxing ring? Um, I, I think the changes to Alexander Stadium would be an opportunity to just to see that change that they've made to Perry Park and the outer peripherals of that area alone um, and what it's going to bring to the local community. And, you know, I remember going there three years ago and it was there was it wasn't a great deal there. And what they've done and how they've transformed it is colossal. And for me to be able to see that cultural change and that sort of element of what they're bringing to Birmingham, what it's all about, the legacy piece, is vitally important for me. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to go back to Alexander Stadium and, and, and see some sport there just to have a relaxing sort of afternoon, really. Um, the chances of that happening is pretty slim. Um, I might be fortunate enough, you never know. But, um, I, you know, for me, it's just doing something different outside of my normal day, which is just hectic. Um, but that's everybody. We're all doing different things at different times. And I think that's the, the, the piece that we are a hat in terms of the managers. All team leaders effectively are and will have busy days. And I think it's just making sure that we do give ourselves time and time out sometimes to just have a reflective moment of where we are and where we're going. Um, so yeah, just to have that time out and do a different afternoon would be great it very rarely happens but it, we know that before we start that sort of games environment um but yeah it's just a case of just trying to chill out and i think it's important that you know we get those 10 minutes we get the ability to be able to have a quick coffee and it, and and even it's just a quick chat but i think one of the things i want to try and achieve for birmingham is to and it's the risk factor as well so towards the end perhaps on the sort of finals in area is to to hear and see and feel 
what it's like to be on the other side where the crowd are. Um, yes, we're going to have them in the arena and all the rest of it, but you know, in these COVID times and where we are with the games, we've still got to keep our distance, predominantly for the protection of the athletes and the staff. But you know, eventually, at the end point, it will be nice to see it from that side. So it will be good to try and walk their avenue to see what they see, to understand what they want to get out of their games as well. Um, we'll, we'll have a lot of noise from parents and things like that and support from clubs, etc. And boxers will do what they normally do. They all scream from the rooftops to that the fact that they've got something special in the arena. But it's it's always nice sometimes to see it from the other side and just see what they feel. Um, I get a close. I'm just fortunate. I get to be very close to the action. Sometimes I just want to take a foot outside and think, yeah, actually, it's great seeing it from here as well. Yeah, well, I certainly hope you get that opportunity. Gents, it's been fascinating, incredibly selfless. I do hope you have a little bit of time to yourself, but rightfully you understand the roles that you're carrying out. It is focusing on ensuring everyone else within Team England exceeds their highest heights. So, yeah, have a good break. I know you probably won't, but, you know, enjoy the enjoy the games, have a good break, and thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you. Tom, it's been our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Mark and Darren for joining us on the Sports Aid Vault. You can find out more about Sports Aid and Team England Futures by visiting sportsaid.org.uk or checking out social media at Team Sports Aid where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. The Sports Aid Vault podcast is produced with Hogarth Worldwide and Gramercy Park Studios and our theme music is courtesy of Vidal Riley. You can check out his latest releases on Spotify.